Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, fellow travelers. I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist Advice column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I'm the author of Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy Advice column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. Each week, we invite you into a session so you can learn more about yourself by hearing how we help other people come to understand themselves better and make changes in their lives. So sit back and welcome to today's session. This week, we'll get updates from last season's sessions to find out how our advice worked out a year later. It's made me realize how hard I am on myself. And I remember Laurie and Guy saying something about me not feeling like I was inherently lovable as I am. And I'm slowly beginning to realize that I don't need to perform to be loved. First, a quick note. Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical or psychological advice, and is not a substitute for professional healthcare advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical or psychological condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and clarity. In the sessions you'll hear, all names have been changed for the privacy of our fellow travelers. Hi, Lori. Hey, Guy. I am so excited about today. I barely slept last night. Me too. We are doing something very special today because we got so many letters after our first season of people wanting to hear, well, Yes, we heard the follow-up a week later, but how are they doing now, all the people that you spend so much time with? And we're like, we don't know, and we're dying to know. And so we figured out we can just ask. And so we did. We wrote to everyone and we said, how are you doing? So what we're going to do today is bring you follow-ups and find out how they are doing a year later. And we are just as excited to find out how these people are doing, because we also get very attached to the fellow travelers who come on the show every week. And we think about them and we wonder about them, just like all of you do. So today we're going to start with a few of them. And the first person we're starting with is the very first guest we had on our show, Shrina. I think we feel a special attachment to Shrina because she was our very first guest on this show. 
And she also happens to be one of the most popular episodes. And I think it's because she was dealing with something that feels very universal, which is heartbreak. She was dealing with a breakup and she was really struggling with all of these obsessive thoughts about what if I had done something different? Could I have gotten him to love me? What's wrong with me? She had a lot of fantasies about what would have happened if she had stayed with him. And all of this is so common. And at the same time, if you go back and listen to the episode, you'll see that we took it to a very different place. Let's get a little bit of a reminder. I was with that guy for like five years and he said that he didn't love me anymore. One day he just woke up, turned around, looked at me in the house that we were living in and just said, oh, I don't love you anymore. How did you grieve the loss of that relationship? I actually got straight into like a rebound relationship with someone who was just as probably in a mess, as much of a mess as I was. It's possible with some of these guys that you are overlooking things because, yes, it's slightly a problem, but I can manage it when the problem with managing it is that it communicates to them that you're okay with it, when in essence, you're not. I kind of keep thinking like, is there something that I could have done differently or better? I find myself trying to mold myself into shapes for my partner, that they, the way that they want me to be. And it kind of just made me feel like, why can't you just accept me as I am? And it just made me feel really bad about myself. So let's hear what's going on with Sharina a year later. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Guy. It's um, been a year, which is crazy. I just wanted to let you know what's been happening in my life since I came on the show. It's given me the chance to really reflect on how I felt about myself and how I was willing to be treated in relationships. I have focused more on who I am and who I want to be and the kind of people I want to attract into my life. And I've really tried to look at my childhood and understand how that has formed a template for me in terms of the people I attracted into my life, especially men. So the conversation that we had was was great. I was I just didn't realize that the breakup was actually symptomatic of something much larger. And in all honesty, I thought that the issues I had in childhood, I was quote unquote over, which isn't true. I've realized, I've realized that, you know, it's, it's more of a, a, a to and fro when dealing with like childhood trauma and why you behave the way that you do, why you sometimes attract the people into your life that you do. So I'm really just trying to work on being nicer to myself and realizing my own worth and what I'm willing to accept I think this shows that people come to us for what they think is a specific issue, like a breakup. And what they often discover is that it's part of a pattern that isn't necessarily about their relationship to that person, but it's really about their relationship to themselves and how their history is operating in the background outside of their awareness and preventing them from getting what they want. That's right, because we don't end up the way we are randomly. We were formed, we were molded by our earlier experiences in life. And it's so important to get an understanding of what happened in those early years. We did the best we could when we were helpless, when we were dependent. And then we carry those patterns later into life when we are no longer helpless or dependent, but we're still 
acting as if we are. And we have to get a handle on those things because those are often the things that are really tripping us up and preventing us, especially in terms of relationships, to get what we really want. Yeah, and you can hear that sense of helplessness in our session with Srina, where she really felt like a little girl who had no choices, no options, and all she wanted was to be loved. And that's the regressive state. That's the state that many of us get into when we haven't resolved some of those things from childhood. Because heartbreak is hard anyway. Even if you've if you've processed all that stuff from childhood or, or you had really good modeling and you felt very loved as a child, it's still going to hurt. But there's another layer on top of that when you haven't worked through some of this history. And so I'm really glad that Srina has been doing so much work in the past year to understand herself better. I just want to echo something you said, Laurie, because you're right. There's no immunity from heartbreak. It can happen at any age, and it's devastating when it does. But if you can deal with it like Srina did, which is, let me get curious, let me figure out something so that this doesn't happen again. It's the best you can do. Let's hear a little bit more about how she's doing. I don't think I'm ready to date. I think I still want to do a little bit more work, get to know myself. I think that in my past relationship, I completely forgot who I was and I kind of dimmed my shine a little bit and I want to try and find that again. So I'm trying to apply the advice that you guys have given me into other aspects of my life. So work, my relationships with my family members, relationships with my friends, my relationship with myself. I think that's the most important thing. I've realized that my relationship that I have with myself is the most constant and most important thing in my life. And I want to make sure that that's solid. So the next time I meet someone, I know what it is that I'm looking for and I know what I deserve. Sometimes when we have these sessions and we give people advice, They do really well with a portion of the advice. And then they extrapolate something that they think would be good for them that we did not advise. Here's an example of that where she's saying, you know, I think I really need to focus on myself and not date. And that is not something that we would recommend. We think that it's important to keep dating because people learn a lot about themselves when they're in relationship with others. And the goal here for Srina is to date now, but with more awareness, with her eyes opened. It's kind of a myth that we, quote, find ourselves alone. We actually learn a lot about ourselves reflected in how we are in relationship, just like Srina learned a lot from that relationship with Joe. I think that she will learn a lot going forward in the relationships that she pursues now. And so the more that we learn about ourselves, the more we can attract better partners. So I wonder if on some level she's using her fear of being hurt as a reason not to date without realizing that that's the real reason. This is something so many people do after heartbreak because it was so painful. They're really hesitant to get hurt again. So they say, I need to work on myself, which they often do. But there's only so much growth you can have in theory. You need to do it in practice. That last stage of preparation has to happen in the application of what you've already learned in real life situations. You have to put yourself out there again and come at it in a different way from what you've learned. But you will never be fully ready without putting yourself out there. It's this paradox. That's the thing that will show you that you're ready when you're out there and you're doing it and you're doing it differently. 
It's almost like if you're an athlete and you practice and practice and practice and practice, but you never actually get in a game. You're not going to improve and you're not going to learn about what it's actually like when you're in the game. It's very different. So we hope for Srina that she will do these things in parallel tracks, that she will continue to work on herself and learn about herself, and that she will also date so that she can learn even more about herself by putting what she's learned into practice and through trial and error, learning more about herself. I agree. Let's hear what else Srina had to say. I've got some new friends that really help me to see the bigger perspectives, help me to recognize my strengths and and celebrate them. But it's really the conversation we had, even though it was about a romantic relationship ending, it's made me realize how much I used to perform for friends as well and family members, how much I used to perform because if I performed, that means I'm lovable. And I remember Laurie and Guy saying something about me not feeling like I was inherently lovable as I am. And I'm slowly beginning to realize that I don't need to perform to be loved. And it really struck a chord with me. And that was my sort of revelatory moment that actually the breakup, yes, although it was bad, it opened the door for me to understanding myself more and loving myself more. So in in that respect, I'm grateful that it happened. I'm so glad she's learning who she is and who she wants to be with. Because the clearer you are about who you are, the less likely you are to lose yourself by trying to fit into someone else's idea of who you think they want you to be. So it's really good that she's doing this work and it's really good that she's practicing it by finding new friendships in which you can be that person. And what's important here is that relationships are relationships and what we do in one kind of relationship, like a romantic relationship, we often do in others with family, with friends, with coworkers, parents, children. And in all of her relationships, she felt that she had to do something to perform in some way to be loved, that she couldn't just be, just be herself and be loved. And she happened to learn that, yes, I can just be myself and be loved. And that's the kind of relationship I want to be in, not just romantic relationship, but all of my relationships. I want to be loved for who I am. And she learned this because of her breakup. And so when we think about how painful breakups are, they're also often an inflection point. They're kind of a wake-up call. What do I need to learn from this experience so that I can get to the place that I want to be? And she's getting to a place of self-acceptance, of embracing who she is, of more comfort with herself, of being clear about her boundaries, what she wants in a relationship. So I think that even though she came to us for a breakup, what she's getting out of this, you can see a year later, is so much of what she needed to learn in order to find what eventually she hopes will be the relationship that she's been looking for. And let's hear one last thought from Sharina. Ultimately, I feel like I've got to the place where I no longer want what I like what we had, what Joe and I had. I don't really want that anymore. I don't think that we were necessarily compatible. Am I still heartbroken? No, I don't think I'm heartbroken. I think I built something that on on something that didn't exist. So it's definitely taught me to accept someone as they are and realize that you're dating them as a reality and not their potential. I don't want people out here thinking that 
you know, after our conversation, everything turned around for me. And now like I was up and onwards and I'm like in a loving relationship and I'm like married. No, <laughs> that's not what happened. But in my opinion, something better happened. Ultimately, it's made me stronger. And it's made me love myself so much more. So for that, I have to say I'm eternally grateful for the breakup. And I'm eternally grateful for your support. Honestly, guys, it was the, one of the best things I've ever done. Um, so, yeah, I 100% recommend that people who are going through breakups speak to a professional because they can give you the insight into yourself that you didn't know and you didn't have. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. People generally come to us when they're experiencing something like a breakup, some kind of crisis in their lives. And what I think Shrina saw is that it's very different to talk to a therapist than it is to talk to a friend. We have this concept of idiot compassion versus wise compassion. Idiot compassion is what our friends do. We say, this guy was a jerk and isn't it awful? And look at what he did. And we say, yeah, you're right. They were wrong. And we don't really get the wise compassion, which is what therapists do, which is we hold up a mirror to you and help you to see something about your situation and about yourself that maybe you haven't been willing or able to see. And that's where the growth and transformation come about. And what I'm really proud of Sharina for is that she is demonstrating this other difference. Because when you go to friends, it's a conversation or two. When you go to therapy, it is emotional labor. It's emotional discomfort. It's really self-examining and really holding yourself true to what you're discovering. And Srina is doing that work. And I'm very, very hopeful that if she actually now steps out into the dating world, she'll find it's a very different world than the one she was in before. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapists. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. 
And this is Dear Therapists. So, Guy, the next person we're going to hear from is Priscilla. And to remind people, Priscilla was in a relationship with someone who had a six-year-old daughter. And the daughter was saying very hurtful things to Priscilla. And Priscilla did not know how to deal with them or how to deal with the daughter's anger. Let's get a reminder. Well, everything is going fine. Maybe today's going to be a good day. And I certainly don't know what to say when she's like, I hate you. Get away from me. What is your boyfriend's relationship with his daughter? In the beginning, I saw, how does he love this child so much when she's so difficult to him as well? I think she she acts out quite a bit, pushes his boundaries as well. I think we all walk on eggshells around her waiting for her to kind of erupt with some sort of behavior. So Guy, just hearing her tape reminds me of what a struggle this was. So let's hear how things are now. Hi, Lori and Guy, it's Priscilla. And if you told me I'd be where I am right now a year ago, I would not have believed you. Uh, I'm still dating the same boyfriend who has two children and, and we still live separately, but we actually have tentative plans to get a house together in the next year. More specifically about the relationship I have now with his daughter is not at all what I would have expected. She herself is a, a little human, um, has been growing up. She's seven, um, is her own unique person. And, uh, you know, a conversation we had recently during a girl chat. Yes, we have those who would have ever thought she would have wanted all this one-on-one -on -one time with me, but she does. She asked me, you know, why do I like her for who she is? So often people come on the show with an issue and they can't imagine it being different. They feel totally stuck. And what we do as therapists is to help them not only envision and imagine something different, but we give them the awareness and tools to do something different so that this new version of things can actually become a reality. And I love where she says, yes, we even have girl chats and I can't believe how much has changed. And I think that's because she really put into action the kinds of things that, that we asked her to think about. And we see this in our practices all the time. It's not a one-time effort. You have to maintain it. And when you maintain it, over time, that's when change really takes place. So let's hear a little bit more from Priscilla. And it really struck me because it I started to realize how much struggle she may be having with the divorce of her parents. And maybe she's acting out at me and her dad and her sibling because she's hurting and doesn't really know how to handle these emotions. And yes, Lori and Guy, you've said that. I had a really hard time believing you in the moment. I had real struggles seeing that come through when she was just pure anger and, and said so many hatred things to me sometimes. Um, you know, I would have panic attacks going to their house on the weekends because I wasn't sure what I was in for. I haven't felt that for a really long time now. Um, and it also, it, it really helped for me to look at myself um, and figure out what was going on with me that was giving me such struggle to see where she was coming from. What Priscilla is learning is that perspective taking isn't just seeing the other person's world through their eyes but it's looking inside at ourselves and gaining some self-perspective as well. The thing about perspective taking that people often get wrong is they think it just comes to you. It's actually a thought exercise. You have to take the time to sit quietly, consider the other person's point of view, ask yourself, how might they see things differently than you? And it's a thought exercise you have to intentionally do in order to get that window. Yeah, perspective taking is actually quite difficult. And I think people think, oh, I'm really good at that. I can completely imagine their perspective. 
But when you sit down and you start to do the exercise, you say, wait a minute, I can go deeper. I can try to understand this a little bit better. And I think that's where Priscilla was getting kind of tripped up before. She didn't realize what this experience might have been like for this little girl. So let's go back to Priscilla. I've been able to see a lot of the good things in her and really be thankful for the time that we have together and enjoy, you know, her company and handling those tough times. I I definitely don't get it right. Sometimes the advice I still find the absolute hardest and I haven't been able to do well is when she, you know, talks about her mom liking something or doing something. And it was guy that said to reply back, oh, it sounds like your mom has good taste or something like that. And I just can't do it. It's really, really hard. So a lot of times I'll just be silent or acknowledge like, oh, okay, she likes that. And that's about all I can do. But I I will continue to work on it because I know it will be really, really helpful for her to hear that back from me. One of the key lessons in this episode for Priscilla was that her stepdaughter almost had to have these challenging moments with Priscilla because she needed that in order to feel loyal to her mother. If she was just nice all the time, she would feel she was betraying her mom. And by being able to validate the girl's sentiment in some way, even if it's challenging, and even to compliment the mother when the daughter says her mom is so much better than Priscilla, she's actually freeing the daughter from that loyalty struggle. Right. And I think what came up for Priscilla was something she hadn't recognized before, which is that she has her own power struggle with the daughter. And that's why this intervention has been hard for her, that there's still a part of her that really wants more of the dad. And it's hard for her to acknowledge that because sometimes we feel a lot of shame around these maybe younger impulses that we have. But I think it's really important for Priscilla to understand why it's so hard for her to be able to compliment the mother And maybe she feels a little bit threatened there, that if she really thinks about all of the positive things about this person that was the the wife of her boyfriend, there's some insecurity in her that it brings up. So I hope she'll give more thought to that. And I was really glad to hear that Priscilla and her boyfriend are going to be moving in together soon. And they're really becoming a blended family. And blended family means the mom is going to be in Priscilla's life. And so it's important for Priscilla to try and connect to those good parts of the mom because it would make life easier for her once the families get really blended. When you have a blended family, it's not just the children that are part of the blended family, but it's the parents of the children that are all going to have to coexist with one another. And it will make things not only easier for the daughter, but easier for her boyfriend and easier for Priscilla. Let's hear some last words from Priscilla. Generally, I I don't think she wants to feel these feelings of anger or react how she does. And I also try to take that same approach with others, thinking that maybe they really don't want to react in anger. I try to communicate a little bit more compassionately the next time I have a conversation with someone and perhaps the the past we had a, you know, difficult conversation because we never know uh, what someone is going through and, and has them react, you know, the way that they are. So I wouldn't have said that my boyfriend's daughter could have taught me something a year ago. She has really taught me more than I could have ever imagined. And I know that she will continue to. So thank you, Lori and Guy, for the advice that has got me on this path to more compassion with her and building a better relationship with her. 
what Priscilla is talking about is how having compassion for one person generalizes to having compassion for many people and also to self-compassion. So when you do something to make positive change in one relationship, you often use that in other relationships. Doing this kind of work has a snowball effect in people's lives. So you can see that happening in Priscilla's life. And you know what? I'm thinking about that perspective, taking exercise. I'm going to suggest that everyone listening right now, go back and listen to this episode and then do the exercise. Try and take the perspective of someone in your life and see if that changes the dynamic for you. The next person we're going to hear from is Alison. Oh, I really liked Allison as someone whose son was doing remote learning and I was watching what teachers were going through when COVID had everybody at home and quarantined. I felt so much for her and her dilemma. Yeah, she was so caring about her students. She was so concerned for them and she really missed that in-person contact. So here's a bit of a conversation from back then. I have a group of kids who would come to my office hour and they don't often actually want to talk about any of the academic things. They'll ask me questions for the first five or 10 minutes, and then they want to show me their room, or they want to show me their pet, or they want to tell me what trouble they got in with their parents. But it's not nearly the same. And I know that they're craving it. So I have students who, when it comes up at the end of the hour, will say, oh, I can't believe this is almost over. This is the time during the week that I don't feel lonely. And that's yeah. just heartbreaking. So let's hear what this year has been like for her. Hi, this is Allison. Just giving a follow-up. It's been really hard to go through an entire year wearing masks, not seeing full faces, and trying to keep a distance from the students. We had a lot of responsibility put on us to keep students safe under some really difficult conditions with all of them being in the classroom at the same time. We had the risk of getting COVID ourselves, of course, or, or ending up in isolation for the majority of the year until teachers are eligible for the vaccine, which didn't happen until May, unfortunately. Uh, we went back and forth from being in person to online a number of times as the numbers of COVID fluctuated throughout the year. And uh, at this point, I am pretty darn exhausted. I don't think I have ever been so excited for summer. Don't you find, Guy, that hearing people's voices brings back the session so vividly? It really does. You really kind of experience, oh, it's like you're sitting with that person again. You know, it reminded me, hearing her voice again, just how concerned she was for her students. But we also wanted her to acknowledge how hard this was on her. And we wanted her to spend time taking care of her own emotional life, too, we see people in therapy who come in with concerns about how someone they care about in their life is doing, and they're so worried about them. And we want to make sure that they don't get lost in the equation here. That was something we really wanted Allison to work on. Yeah, we really see that among people who either are actual caretakers or who tend to be caretakers in an unofficial capacity because they often struggle to prioritize their own mental health, really. And often it takes a while for them to realize that, hey, I'm doing this really difficult thing and I'm drowning. And she had so much going on, like she was in this long distance relationship with her boyfriend. And it was really hard because they couldn't really see each other as much as they wanted to. And so they were trying to come up with ways that they could stay connected during the pandemic. So let's hear what else went on this year. 
As for my personal life, it's changed quite a bit. My boyfriend moved and we got engaged and uh, we've been planning a wedding for this summer just to try and get our lives going. We didn't really want to wait another year, but this has definitely provided us some activity and, and things to keep us busy. And I'm really looking forward to life getting back to somewhat of a normal experience. I just wanted to say thanks so much for having me on as a guest. It was certainly a highlight in this pandemic journey, and I wish you guys all the best. Take care, Lori and Guy. When we talk about how couples were doing during the pandemic, I feel like whatever was going on before was amplified. If they were a strong couple and they communicated well, that was amplified during the pandemic. If they were having trouble beforehand, those problems were amplified during the pandemic. And I think for Allison and her boyfriend, you can see that they grew closer. They got engaged. They found ways to connect. They're moving forward with the wedding as quickly as possible, even if it might not be under ideal circumstances. I just remember being so moved by the connection between them. He did that personalized puzzle that he had made for her birthday. And I, I just felt like they were a couple who knew how to communicate with each other, even from afar. You know, it's interesting because I think that a lot of research will be coming out after the pandemic. But what we saw after 9-11 in New York City was that the trauma and the stress of the events did that same thing to couples. It really amplified where they were. And some couples got closer because they had that strong foundation and the events allowed them to reconnect in deep ways and other couples drifted apart and broke up. And I think after hearing exactly that example with that puzzle, because if I remember correctly, he actually hated jigsaw puzzles and he had to put the whole thing together. So it just showed such a commitment and such love. I really want to wish them both congratulations I am sure they're going to have a great marriage. They sounded like a very strong couple. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a short break. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You know, Laurie, one of the things that has been most heartwarming, I think we both feel, is that we get so many letters from listeners about these episodes, talking about how much they've learned 
from them and how they've applied the lessons in their own lives. And one of the episodes that generated a lot of these kinds of letters was Jeff's critical parents. Yeah, like the heartbreak episode, this one is so relatable. So he's the last person we're going to hear from today. And let's hear what was going on a year ago with him. And I called my mom and it, yeah, it was a snotty crying mess and told her like, when you say those things, it makes me feel really bad. And I've been working really hard to love myself for those things. And it, it just really hurts. I'd appreciate it if you didn't. And her response was something along the lines of get over it. And I, I feel really, really small. The reason that you feel small is because we all do this around our parents at times when they trigger something that was upsetting from our childhood. We get very young in those moments. So it's not our adult selves that's responding. It's our childhood self. Part of what happens when we get into that young mental space, but as we feel as helpless and lacking in resources as we did when we were indeed helpless and lacking in resources, even though now we're not. Oh, Laurie, I am so curious to hear what's happened for him and where he is now. Hey, Laurie. Hey, Guy. Hope you're doing well. It's Jeff. It's been close to a year since we last spoke, so just wanted to send a message to check in and give you an update on things. You may recall the conversation with my mother not going too great, and I was feeling pretty defeated afterwards. Uh, Guy, I think it was you that mentioned when I had those conversations with my parents, the measure of success wouldn't be how they responded in the moment, but how their behavior changed in the future. Well, I'm relieved to report that there has been pretty significant progress since then. A couple of weeks or so after I had those conversations, there was an incident where my folks consciously undermined some of Liz and I's parenting decisions, and we had to remind them that we really need them on our side and to have their support. I think they really took it to heart, and there really hasn't been much conflict, tension, or criticism since then. They've been really quite kind. Thinking back on it, if it weren't for having those deeply uncomfortable conversations prior to that and laying the groundwork for expressing my needs and establishing boundaries, I probably wouldn't have said anything in that moment. And it would have just festered, and I probably would have become avoidant and tried to limit time between them and between us and our child. But I didn't, so that's a, that's a big win. We love that he took that definition of what makes a successful conversation to heart. A year ago, his father responded well to the conversation, but his mom, less so. She was a bit dismissive and defensive, kind of as usual. The payoff, though, was that it planted the seeds, and it resulted in her changing her behavior afterwards. And even if she didn't, the payoff for Jeff was having the courage to state his needs clearly, instead of feeling helpless or like something was wrong with him for being too sensitive, which was what his parents were telling him. But not only did he have the courage to speak up, his parents really heard him for the first time. And the fact that they did is really lovely, and it creates such a healing experience for him as a new dad. And he was able to protect his kid in that way. He was able to protect his son in a way that he couldn't protect himself from the same hurtful criticism when he was younger. So that was a real corrective experience for him. And sometimes it takes a few rounds of setting boundaries and explaining your perspective for the other person to finally hear it. 
But I think that sometimes people keep restating the same thing over and over and nothing changes. And the difference here was that Jeff did it from a place of feeling like the teacher, feeling like he was confident, he believed in this, and he had another motive, which was, I'm going to protect my wife and my kid as much as I'm going to protect myself. And I think that came across this time. So let's hear more about what happened. I've never really been one to go to my parents during hard times, whether to ask for help or express difficult feelings, probably for a fear of being dismissed or minimized. But as you can imagine, becoming a new parent, it's been really, really hard. And for the first time in my life, I'm finding it okay to reach out to express difficult emotions or to ask for a hand. It's starting to feel safe now, for, for lack of a better word. Things like, you know, oh, this happened today and it really tested Liz and I's patience as parents. Or, uh, you know, life's really overwhelming right now and I'm struggling some days. And I can tell it makes my parents uncomfortable, but just like talking about emotions, it feels like it's setting things up for a more transparent and honestly, just a, a more human connection. People can't see how much we're smiling right now, but this makes us so happy because Jeff speaking up here didn't only help with the criticism, but it also opened up their relationship so that he can confide in his parents and have that feel safe for perhaps the first time in his life. That is huge. And that's why I like these longer follow-ups because certain changes take more time it all started with that one conversation that created so much possibility for connection that I think Jeff never imagined could happen before. And so when we first spoke with him after the episode, he had not felt very optimistic about what would happen with his mother. And we could see a year later how much has indeed changed. By his parents listening to him and becoming less critical, it allowed Jeff to risk being more emotionally vulnerable with them, which then gave them a place to be as parents, which was so much more rewarding for Jeff and so much more rewarding for them because now they can really add value by being supportive. It gave them a new option for how to be parents for this adult man in a way that was mutually satisfying that just didn't exist before. And Jeff had a little bit more to tell us. There have also been some positive ripples throughout our entire family too. My, my parents seem to be more supportive and empathetic with my brothers as well. And in general, they're just far less quick to judge or be dismissive or, or overstep. I can tell they're really working on it, and I'm really proud of them. And I appreciate it so, so much. Kind of feels like a, a new chapter in our relationship as, as parents, children, and siblings. And remembering that it's okay to have needs and express them it takes constant practice and will likely be lifelong work for me. But I just wanted to say thanks again for your help and the nudge to get me going in the right direction. It's getting much easier with practice. So thanks again, Lori. Thanks, Guy. Bye now. Part of the advice we gave Jeff was to think of himself as his parents' teacher because he would get very nervous confronting them. And we wanted him to come from the place of teaching them about an area that they didn't know a lot about, which were emotions. And here he is now saying that he's proud of his parents, who were basically his students. 
So Jeff was a great teacher because not only did his students, which are his parents, apply their lessons to Jeff and his wife and his child, but they also applied it to Jeff's brothers. So everyone in the family has benefited, and including the parents who get the benefit of having a closer relationship with all of their children, and maybe even with each other in the marriage. Because now that they're talking about emotions, I can imagine that that has had some kind of ripple effect between the parents and their marriage as well. So he's done a service to everyone by speaking up and embracing the feelings that he used to be so ashamed of having. And that's why therapists think of families as systems, because in a system, if you do something, if you change a dynamic, it does ripple across the system and affects everyone in that system. I'm sure his parents are feeling that difference in their marriage and the fact that they were able to apply these lessons that Jeff taught them to his brothers might be the most heartwarming of all because that just shows how deeply they've internalized that message. So teacher of the year to Jeff. It was so great getting these follow-ups. And we're going to go back to our regular sessions in the coming episodes, but we will be bringing you more of these Where Are They Now episodes from season one. And we can't wait to hear how the others are doing. So make sure that you subscribe to our podcast for free so that you don't miss any of the episodes. This was so much fun, Laurie. I mean, I felt like I was visiting with old friends and I wish all of them well. And I'm so glad to hear that so far they're doing well and I cannot wait to hear the rest. Me too. Next week, a woman feels the burden of being caught in the middle when her parents divorce after almost 40 years. She was basically saying, I can't be with him anymore. I don't even like him anymore. I don't think I'm in love with him. I don't even want to have sex with him anymore. Way too much information. Yeah. yeah. Hey, fellow travelers. If you're enjoying our podcast each week, don't forget to subscribe for free so that you don't miss any episodes. And please help support Dear Therapists by telling your friends about it and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really help people to find the show. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Noel Brown. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns, Josh Fisher, and Chris Childs. Our interns are Dorit Corwin and Silver Lifton. Special thanks to Allison Wright and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. We can't wait to see you at next week's session. Dear Therapists is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.